I'm Kathleen. And I'm Dee. And you're listening to Mamas with Attitude, otherwise known as MWA. Interesting, cool, South African relevant yeah. content. Yeah. Um, on where we were at. Mm-hmm. You know, motherhood just comes to take on its different shapes and forms. Mommy's a bounce. Mommy's a bounce. Mama's the Jesus. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. You're in another zone, but you're totally out of the twilight. Mama. 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 Hi, Dee. Hi, Kara. You look beautiful with your silk duck. Love it. <laughs> and you look gorgeous with your whole fucking outfit. I just got coffee and came back to bed. Hey. No. Pump that hair, girl. Pump I that can't. hair. I have to feel like a human because I'm losing my mind. <laughs> well, if it's any consolation, straight after this, I've got a meeting that I am probably going to be late for because Missy got on this call late, i.e. you. And then I have a board meeting thereafter, so I'm probably going to shower at lunch. So exciting! <laughs> And I'll just be like the person for the, for the meeting. Hey, babes, I'm gonna be the person who'll be like, can't connect with the video, can't connect. Meanwhile, in bed having coffee on my board meeting. Oh, wow, wow. <sighs> okay, well, hello. See my headgear. Long time. So wow, so organized. Honestly, I'm so impressed. It's a mic and a little something. Anyway, very happy to see you, Deraline Marco. This is all about you. Welcome to our umpteenth episode of MWA, guys. We have not put together something for a while because, hi, we're living in a global motherfucking pandemic. Armageddon! We cannot pull ourselves towards ourselves. Well, we do, and then we don't. And then we do, and then it all... And then we don't. Yeah, and we're putting ourselves towards ourselves, I suppose, for our children and for ourselves and for taking care of ourselves. So beyond that, <laughs> I suppose I'll be. Hmm. So yeah, so this is the first one. Um, and I'm going to take the lead on this one a little bit, Dee, because you are technically the co-host, but also guest this time around. And um, not really, but co-host, you know what I mean? Um, and what we thought we would talk about is you are 37 weeks pregnant. 37. Correct? 37 weeks. Do you know that if you like invert that, like when you're three weeks pregnant, you don't even know. Huh. Oh, wow. Wow, guys. <laughs> Look at that. Revelation on revelation. I really feel like you are so pregnant. It's actually ridiculous. Okay, so this pregnancy has flown past, like literally flown past in a fucking blink of an eye, right? And we thought that it would be useful to have a conversation on MWA about the pregnancy specifically because there's a whole range of things, right? A whole range of factors. Mm. This is your second pregnancy. That said, it's your partner's first pregnancy. So there's that. You're renovating your household or house, sorry. Yes. And there's a global pandemic. And you're having to prepare for birth in a global pandemic. And you're having to see gynees and midwives in a global pandemic and what does that look like so that's really the context of the conversation for the listeners and um i think maybe we can start off with how this is such an open-ended question 
How has the pregnancy been for you? You know, as you were speaking now, the one thing I wanted to add was, so seeing um, obstetricians, seeing midwives, so trying to do the kind of quote unquote formal things one has to do during Mm -hmm. a pregnancy, but Mm -hmm. also alongside that, trying to practice some version of self-care as a pregnant person in a pregnant body that we know evolves and changes and just feeling completely at a loss most of the time because actually what are you actually doing so things are changing so fast in the context in the global pandemic context of it all that you know the the sheer level of paranoia i think is has been quite a debilitating factor for me i'm not gonna lie And just that you feel genuinely scared. Like, if I were to name the fear, I wouldn't say, like, I feel like I'm going to contract COVID and die. Although we all know more and more people who are really not surviving, right? Yeah. But I mean, I feel like it's the kind of thing where if you take quite a considered approach, and granted, even if you don't, if one were to contract COVID at this point, in a pregnancy at this point in South Africa, long and short, you're fucked. Mm. You know, and I think there's so much that one cannot like contain at this point, Mm. like emotions. So all the other things you mentioned, yeah, those things are all real, but honestly, like they all at any point in the day saw up to this is number one for me right now. This is number one for me right now. Mm. I'm a four-year-old. We had an au pair. The au pair has gone back to formal work or, you know, what she felt mm. was a better kind of career move, which means that the entire household has to rally around his needs. And, mm. and in some ways, we can't. Mm. So, yeah, I, I'm not going to lie, Kath. It's actually such a roller coaster. And... You know, when lockdown started in South Africa with level four, level five, and we were all, you know, kind of uh, like literally locked down, right? And we we all we all did that, and we knew that being in lockdown meant something. We knew it didn't um, mean it was going to flatten the curve at that point, so we knew more was coming. But with each step, as you I'm sure can also attest to, it's like a new wave of crazy and a new wave of emotions right and so when all of this started in like mid-march there is no way i could could have imagined that actually i would be birthing at the peak of this thing in this country it's unbelievable it's unbelievable So, but i think that's that was going to be one of my many questions right is no one knows what's happening, really. Like, no one can conclusively say, this is how to handle healthcare or pregnant women or your pregnancy or whatever in a global pandemic. So I wanted to know, how have your healthcare providers been and what have they said to you yeah. around, like, how you should be navigating the space, right? Okay. Have they given you assurance? Has it been a useful experience primarily or are they also as we are kind of feeling their way in the dark and trying to figure out how to ride a crisis a global crisis they are riding the crisis wave 
as the rest of us are. So what's happened is, um, what I will say has happened, I guess, in a kind of more formal capacity is in midwife-led spaces is that a lot of women who feel they can go there have opted for home births. So whether that be first time, pregnant, second time, whatever, certainly if you've had a natural birth and it's your second or third or, or whatever, those women have certainly been way more keen. Equipped on, in a way. Exactly, equipped, right? Then um, the birthing facility, which I mean, you know, Genesis, because you birth both your boys there. I think from what I've heard has certainly been the least hardest hit almost. So dads can still be along for the birth. Yeah. Um, Quite strict. So you need to have a 38 week, you need to have a COVID test at 38 weeks. As long as you're both fine, dads can still come with for the birth, but dad can't leave. Right. So if you have other kids and you don't have support, which is our context, what Mm. must happen, right? Shame. You lose the experience. Yeah. Um, then he mm-hmm. can kind of swing back and fetch you. That's it. Um, so can be there for the birth, but then if he's not staying the whole way, cannot go and come back. Then there are other hospital facilities, right, where there have been so many instances now where people have tested positive, moms, dads. Um, Post being in the hospital. No, babe, as in going in, like, you're oh, okay. going in, yeah. What do they call it? A PUI, a person under investigation. So if you go and you've not been tested, you're treated as a PUI. And so they're now speaking about making some maternity wards yellow zones. So no testing needed. We just treat everyone as though they might be positive. Oh, my God. Babe, so just hectic. And to answer your question then, like... I think it must be incredibly hard for um, first time moms. Well, for first time moms, but also for the people, for the caregivers, like there's no way they can like reassure you because they don't know anything. Things change week to week. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. No, I find I I do. I mean, I think lockdown has been particularly taxing for everyone. Right. Mm. But I do think that having been pregnant you know that that's just a taxing time. It's a time of massive amounts of expansion. And I mean that physically, but also emotionally and mentally and so on. And expansion is hard, right? So I cannot fathom having to do a pregnancy in this crisis. And as you say, where there's no level of certainty, where as a pregnant person, you are looking for a level of certainty and a level of stability and a level of like, this is what is going to happen. It's, you know, um, a predictability exactly. and there's, there's none of that. And there's yeah. none of that. There's none of that. So, so that so, has been yeah. tough. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. yeah. So in light of that, what decisions have you made? Um, as we stand here today at 37 weeks, obviously these two may change because you just Mm. don't know, but what decisions have you and your partner made around the birth? Well, I mean, I think, yeah, this is a big question for me because I, I think there was a part of me that realized like what a big deal it would be birthing someone else and with a different team. And I felt like, you know, being conscious about the team, being conscious about the pregnancy, it would all kind of work together. So I made decisions not very early on. I mean, I'd say like everyone else kind of towards the no, end. No, babe, it was early. Yeah? 
It was, eh? It like, was early. Um, I think most people don't actually make those decisions that early. And I think that for people like you and I, who are A-type personalities, in a way, yeah. very different A-type personalities. Um, but I think that, yeah, we made, we you, you and I made those decisions quite early around our healthcare providers. But maybe can we just actually talk about that? Because I know that that was a big thing for you. And that's also interesting because it was almost like a different time, right? So almost pre-COVID, where different kinds of, you were working off of a different access around the things that were important to you. So maybe if you just want to tell, yeah, our listeners a little bit more around that moment, because that was that was a moment of interrogation for you around your healthcare providers. So interrogation and crisis, eh? Yeah, I want to say crisis because I don't think one reflects on your previous pregnancy as much as you do until you are pregnant again. So there are moments, I think there are certainly moments where you're certainly immediately after the birth where you're like, wow, that was an incredible experience. You're really like, you know, you're in that same vulnerable space just on the other side. So there's a lot of like feeling out and observation and, 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 but I think in a practical sense, you don't revisit that because you can't, because you're like in an, you're now in the next phase, right? Like I'm in that weird phase where I'm now still straddling one foot in this world, one foot in the next one. I think that as you, as soon as the baby's here, I think something else happens. And I think yeah. with the next one, you're then able to go, Hmm, okay, cool. I did this, I did that. And I think that's something that you would recognize as cool. I did this, I did that, that worked for me, my team worked. I'm going yeah. to the same team. And I get that. Yeah. There's no way I could have anticipated feeling a certain kind of way about that, but I did. You know, because I I was quite angsty about it. You know, I Yeah, I, I remember. Met, <laughs> yeah, I met with like four or five midwives to the, I mean, shame, my partner will, you know, who's a first timer, as you mentioned earlier, was like, wow, this is a lot. Cause every time we meet them, like, what must happen here? Uh, also midwives are, are a kind of a, um, their own kind, right? Yes. They, they, <laughs> yeah, they so if you're, <laughs> so if you're not used to that space, it can be quite overwhelming. And they're also on a continuum of their own kind. So you get the super hippy dippies and then the ones that, you know, yeah. Totally. On the, like nail on the head description, I would say. And I think even for me going back in, it's a bit like, oh, wait, I've walked through this door again. And like, where am I? And you have to look around a little. And then also, you know, like being in Joburg, I felt very aware of the fact, you know, do I choose a midwife of color? Do I, yes. you know, yeah. that was a big thing for me, you know, like I was, yeah. I was really trying to feel through it in the end. I, I, I am with a white midwife, which in itself is interesting because yeah. I don't attach the race element to it at all. But then perhaps like in self-interrogation, one's like, shit, well, maybe you should be, you know, maybe, but nothing about our interaction is about that. So it's weird, but in a way. But that's interesting though, Dino, because I think that you did initially when you were looking, as you said, right, when you were looking for a midwife, you were very, you were acutely aware of like race being one of the things that was the driving factor. And when you finally settled on your midwife, I do think that there was like somewhat of a personal kind of dilemma around like, shit, what does this fundamentally mean with the fact that this woman is white and your, your team prior hadn't been? So I think it's interesting. Yeah. So interesting, but also 
one, I don't know, certainly for me, it felt this way. I didn't feel like I could lament that for too long. I felt sure. like it was a decision I had to make. This was the person who I felt was the most kind of, she resonated. I felt like it was, okay, cool. We met with her. There was a sense that she knew what she was doing. I was like, great, this is what I want. I, Cause I'd been through it before. And there's, there's nothing about that experience that's about being in this world. It's a weird thing where someone's navigating another human out of your body or helping you yeah. do that to some degree. And like, yeah, so I don't know. And I feel like there's so much more to say there, but just to say about the midwife, that was a biggie for me. And then also with the doula, because my doula before, exactly as you're saying, my team was not an all white team, right? Even though I was in Cape Town and I didn't realize that that actually had meant quite a lot to me. Whereas this Absolutely. time, um, I have an all white team I, with the doula, I, as you know, chose a team, then unchose uh, the doula. Now, as I'm here today, I'm about to unchoose that same doula because I'm now <laughs> looking up and going, yeah. and this is like, Will and I having a conversation literally last night and I'm going, shit, like because of lockdown, I've, I've missed all these other things that I might've taken into account. I might've develop more of a relationship. I might've been more aware of the fact that I wasn't actually developing a relationship. Even though I had said, which I remember saying to you, perhaps I don't need the same things because it's a second one. Yes. But now, you know, as you know, Cyril's just announced like no family, no interprovincial movement. So for my mom to come, it looks like the earliest she'll be here is the 15th of August. And so just thinking about the fact that postpartum support, there is literally actually nothing for us in the household beyond like you up the road, you know, and a couple of close friends around. There's no like mom who's going to come in or there's none of that. So what is that? How does that change the doula game? Or, or what is effective? That is really so terrifying on one hand because as a pregnant person and a birthing person, you need your mom or you need a mother like figure who's going to come in and kind of just sort things out to a certain degree. You know what I mean? And keep some level of calm and like cohesiveness in the household. So I, I can imagine. And, and again, it's, you had a plan. Your mom was going to come. She was going to be here around the same time for the birth. And also just to say that this is not your first rodeo. So you know what you're doing and you know the kind of support that you'll need. But your four-year-old is going to need massive amounts of support. And that's really where she was going to plug a hole. So like it's a lot. And then to have like Cyril, as you say, like have this announcement and then things change again. And you have to like now map out another plan for yourselves and your household is hugely taxing and just requires some level of agility that actually in your pregnancy, you just don't have the bandwidth for. I don't. I literally have no bandwidth for it. And no, like also no ability to kind of just take a step back from myself and be like, okay, until two days ago, you didn't know that. So it's okay. You know, this, it will be I, fine. It and will be fine. No, babe, like full on freak out. I should have done better. Why didn't I think about this? Why didn't, you know, it's particularly in relation to this doula thing. And I think certainly one of the sure. biggest things that then comes up again, you know, being pregnant in a global freaking pandemic is, what is your support system and what does it look like? 
and mm-hmm. how much of it is there and how much of it can you control mm-hmm. not all and also your support system be it what it is mm-hmm. it can't translate virtually during this time you you need actual physical support and that's the thing so skype calls are great and being able to see you like this is wonderful but really actually you need you need the tangible presence of people in your life and exactly as you said earlier and I, i i feel it so so acutely at the moment like having your mom around or as you said having a mom around having someone who can like take hold of a space that that is yours or whether it's yours or not, but essentially wherever you are and say, I can, I'm also taking care of you. Right. So, so, so because I'm as bullshy as I am, you know me, like I can't relinquish control, can't relinquish control. So that's like the conversation that Will and I are constantly having where he's like, love, it's fine. Let me take this on. Let me take this on. But then one's also aware there's also only so much that person can do because soon there'll be a new baby. And not in a, in a mean way, but almost like he's not even aware of all the emotions that come with that no. No. for you no. and for him actually. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, so yeah, I, I, I actually feel quite, quite overwhelmed and also just really overwhelmed by that weird last month of pregnancy feeling where you feel like, Oh, I could have this baby today. Oh, I could have this baby today. And then like a few <laughs> weeks later, you're like, Groundhog Day, Bez. Oh, oh, it's awful. Groundhog Day in your most uncomfortable physical self. <laughs> oh, it's like fucking awful. And I'm like, oh, I actually can't do this. I'm going to leave. And then I just like, I can't get off the couch. Like for like 20 minutes. Oh, oh, like all these things. <laughs> preparing one partner for birth. Oh, Roly Pony, are you being the cutest Roly Pony? The rolliest pony in the world! (laughs) 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 So wait, so speak to me a bit about the doula. Are you hoping now that with the 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 next shift of like now no longer the stula but now going back to this original 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 plan um that she will provide you with support for the birth and for postpartum is that the plan or like what what are your thoughts there yes certainly what you've just said but also i think i think what's come up for me in the past week is that all the stuff that I've said to you now about relinquishing control, not having like yeah. mom figure in space, et cetera, et cetera. Those are things that I kind of, I need to make a little bit of peace with before this child comes or not even before she comes, before I go into labor. Because yeah. as you know, like one's body also has the capacity to stall. So it's done it before, but I have some mm. serious feelings at the moment about things that I'm like, Oh my God. And what if this happens? Oh my God. And what if that happens? And my, and my biggest fear is that if any of those things come up strongly enough that it will affect labor and I'm having a home birth. And so like, and so you what don't want to f- that failure to progress. Yeah. Exactly. So, so, okay. So in you reaching out to this other doula, will you have a conversation around some of the fears around your, your yeah. labor and be quite explicit around what that looks like so that 
there is somebody in the room who can be a vessel or a holding space for that. Yeah, okay. absolutely, babe. I think um, in our most recent conversation, mine and my partners, we were just saying, I was saying to him, like, you know, what this move would require would be if she agrees and if she's able to and available, that pretty much this week she'll probably have to come for a home visit and that in when I chat with her, I'd like to say to her, like, can we in that visit maybe just sit down and speak through some of those things? Not to say that that'll like solve all problems, but as you're saying, she'll know and she'll be able to act as a vessel in that space, right? And and I also think to just be able to say to someone like, I'm very anxious because my mom won't be here, nor will Will's mom, um, and I don't know who who else will hold that space for us. Like I certainly sure. have a, a very generous and dedicated support network but I mean it's a weird time so people aren't coming like we may see you but you know yeah so I think it's important for someone to know that and for someone to take it quite seriously what that means yeah Yeah. you know and understand fundamentally the ramifications of that on a laboring body so what what are some of the other fears that you have um, either about the labor or about post- like the immediate kind of aftermath of laboring? Holding space for Tao. Yeah. Mm, how, the, how the household shifts in ways that we can't know yet because we don't know what kind of baby we're going to have. Yeah. You know, like you, know, you kind of know, but I mean, you don't. There are also things you don't no, know. No, you don't really don't know. Yeah. <laughs> suddenly they're like, yeah. they're crying and they weren't crying before. They were just in your tummy. So, yeah. in your belly, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think even though, even though, yeah, as you said, second rodeo, I think there is still quite a lot of anxiety around meeting her, like excitement and like, oh, wow, this is beautiful, but also okay, shit, like you're a whole new person. And again, our house is expanding more and more and more. Um, And it's going to have to settle into some other new rhythm that incorporates her that you just don't know what that's going to look like. Exactly. Sorry, and prepping Tao, how have you been able to prep him or not during this time? Because that too is significant because he is also going through a global pandemic and is also being impacted on like everyone else in lockdown, not being like now he's not at school anymore. He was going to school. You had set up a a new rhythm or a new routine for him very early in the year. So that by the time she came, there was going to be a routine. You had done all the things and ticked all the boxes. Mm -hmm. And now obviously those things are gone. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? Well, you know, it's a weird thing to say, but I feel like we are all mourning something. I mean, I think globally we're all mourning like lots of things, but I think as a household going through this kind of expansion, the very like particularities of a pregnancy and the growth of a family in this way, um, he has nothing that's only his, you know, and he's at that age where, where friendships are starting to like mean little things to them. They don't, obviously they're not articulating it the way we do as adults, but still, um, and so, I mean, preparation, you know, um, he, we've been talking to him a lot about, you know, birthing at home, what that might look like. He has said, wants to be woken up, like when the baby's born, if he's asleep. So I've said, you know, she might come at night. 
Um, and he has said, well, I, I want to be there kind of thing. Right. And then I'm not sure what that looks like. And I, I guess they're just things you can't know, right? Like you can't know the length of the labor. Everybody says it'll be quick and a bit easier, but there's no actual way to know. And then I don't know, like, what if I go into labor during the day? Do you know, does he, like, what do we do with him? Does he go for a visit? You know, do I say to you, hey, Kath, I'm in early labor. Can he come up and play? You know, so I don't know. But what, I mean, we've spoken through a few possibilities. So what yeah. could happen? And if this happens, then maybe this. If this happens, then maybe that. What else? Yeah, we've told him about these people who will come to the house. Um, he has seen the room take shape. He's seen things being put together, you know. But like I say, there's nothing, there's no part of the routine, routine in kind of inverted commas, that's his. Um, and I think a lot of that has been jolted in some ways by... Um, the fact that, as you're saying, there was school, but then also there was this, there was an au pair for a short period of time, someone who we knew from before. She's not yeah. changing. So there's like, I feel like unfairly there are lots of changes for him. You know, even much more so than there would be normally. Like you can't, everyone says to prep the child, get the child into a routine that is there's also the ability for them to leave the household and go off and immerse themselves into another Social space, i.e. school, for four hours a day is hugely helpful for both mom and baby and for them, right? Mm-hmm. And in postpartum care, with your mother not being there, somebody's going to have to entertain him and keep him busy. And what does that look like with a small baby and sleep deprivation? Mm-hmm. So it's a, I just can't even fathom how taxing a time this is, love. I really, really can't. Yeah. It, it, at the moment, I know the taxing is going to come with just the physical tiredness also, but yeah. at the moment it just feels incredibly overwhelming. Yeah. And the one thing that I'm just really hopeful for is, which I find so fascinating because once you're out of the labor space, you know, we're all quick to say, they, you know, the, the baby comes and there's like a whole life and, you know, you can't only focus on labor but I feel really fascinated in this experience that that is all I can focus on. And it makes sense hormonally that like, that's what you can focus on because that's where your body's at and emotionally where you're at, even though you know there are other things going on. And once you then step over, it is quite a decisive move, like a physical, emotional, psychological shift, but you can't preempt it. It's like the one just has to come before the other. But I do think, as you're saying, you have to be in it and it's totally immersive. And in order for you to prep for that moment, and that's a moment that requires a deep level of prep and preparation, you do have to be in it. Yes, you do. Okay, so what else has been going on for for you guys, just just to give the listeners kind of a contextual lay of your land and maybe just speak a little bit about the renovations and wrapping up work in the midst of and also teaching teaching online right (laughs) so there's just I mean the global pandemic on so many fronts has had these layers that you're endlessly peeling away over and above the layers of having to birth and anticipate a new arrival Mm. so I mean just to talk and cheese experience right like with Tao I was I think I was finishing up PhD corrections or something of that nature. Um, now, I mean, one of the things that's really struck me that I suppose I might reflect on a little bit more um, 
even post labor is completely different kind of financial space. You know, like when I came back from the UK, I was um, quite dependent in some ways. Like I had that postdoc, which was lovely, but um, I couldn't, and you and I have chatted a little bit about this, like I couldn't go baby before the way lots of first time moms can or do, or (laughs) just for the listeners, Kathleen put up her hand. Um, Um, and I remember those conversations when we were pregnant with Tao and Akani and you'd be like, and then I did this and then this. And I was like, yeah, I'm just walking to the tube. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Going to go finish my doctorate. <laughs> Your highlights were food. You bought yourself really nice food, but that was it. <laughs> no, to be fair, to be fair, I bought myself like, a few really nice dresses, which yes, I, I remember. Just recycled this time around, which I mean, I haven't bought any maternity yeah. wear, which yeah. is kind of cool, actually. Anyway, um, but yeah, chalk and cheese experiences, right? So this time, like going in, like trying to be like a proper, like second panel mom, like oh, whatever. You know, I don't need that. I don't need that. I don't need that. I don't need that. And then, like in the last few months, lockdown sale. I need that. I need that. I need that. <laughs> And then, like, texting you, like, oh, I don't understand. Why does this seem like such an impractical thing to everybody else? But, I mean, it totally makes sense. And you being like, okay, my love, go there. Do whatever you need. (laughs) Babe, you have been so hilarious. Every single sale known to man during lockdown, you have been like, and did you see this? And I bought this. And I bought this. And I bought this. I mean, and also just for the listeners, right? There's things that she's buying that are, like, like Margot Molyneux clothing that you're going to wear after your pregnancy. <laughs> so not for now. You're like, no, 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 it's not for now. It's for later. But I need it. I need it. I need it. I'm going to buy this. And you're being baby for before. And you're buying stuff for Tawi. It's just like, I can see Will is like, uh, are we going to slow down anytime soon? And you're like, no, no, not anytime soon. But I suppose also, babes, like lockdown has had that effect too, right? On people yeah. where people are like, just, just going fucking crazy on online shopping. Oh my like, world like like the other day and you're pregnant which actually i did end up buying because you know how superbulous does that thing where it's like on offer then it's not on offer then it's on offer yeah, yeah. Then, like, some yeah. of the things in your cart are on offer and then i was like no 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 i'm gonna wait i'm gonna wait oh, when they were all on offer i was like bye 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 <laughs> And I'd like to say to her, I was like, you know, I just really think we need this. And we definitely need new mugs. I mean, I don't know. What what, what are we going to drink when I'm in labor? And he was like, baby, we have mugs. No, we don't. We have cup mugs. We have mugs. What are you talking about? So, yeah, just like listeners, <laughs> it's been a rough ride. Um, and I think, as Kathleen has said once again, a pregnancy, which is a weird space, exacerbated sure. by a pandemic and by sure. like a level of consumption that you can't like you can't go anywhere physically. So you can't just go and like somehow satiate like, oh, that's nice, and I might do this or I might no. It's and and also just feeling like everything in our house is changing, right? So we are changing, yeah. we have this build, which you know you were saying. We um we planned quite a big renovation um and we were and you were going to move out. Yes, you were packing we were, up the house to move out. <laughs> we had packed up the house. We just we unpacked 
some more of the boxes that had been packed. You know, we were going to move out for two months. Um, work was going to start inside the house and then they were going to move outside and finish up. And within a week we were in level five lockdown and nobody crazy. Yeah. So again, plan shift. And then you, I remember you made the decision. And at the time I was like, I don't understand this decision. Like just figure it out, move out, move out for a while so that it can still happen or like figure it out post lockdown when we, when we went into lockdown four and you then started building you were like, we're going to build, we're going to do the outside in. So do an inverse of what you had originally planned. And actually it's been a really good decision for your family. Yeah, it has been again, quite disruptive, but in a way we just, another thing we've all just had to get on board with, you know, where, I mean, what we've gained from it, I think has been really great. And I think shows us that the the, I think has somehow affirmed us in the decision to have gone ahead with innovation and has been an interesting experience for us. But I mean, as you know, like a renovation in the time of being pregnant, when you yeah. already have one, it's a lot, you know? And it's so, it's a lot, yeah. Yeah. So, and, and also, I mean, it's not a massive property as you know. So what we have found, or certainly the way I've been, because I've been so paranoid, I, you know, the, the builders are wearing masks, but also one's concerned about interaction. So towels haven't been out that much. So what does that mean for a four-year-old, like cooped up, you know? So we, we have to like find little moments to also do things outside with him. It's just been weird. You go I, for quite a lot of walks in the mornings. and Quite a lot of walks, yeah. But I'm not going to lie, after that woman who was eight months pregnant, after she was killed so brutally, and I was eight months at the same time, I won't lie. I was like, I I can't walk outside alone with him. I just, I can't. You're very vulnerable um, Mm. in this time, just generally. And you're vulnerable as a woman in South Africa. So Mm. is this Naledi, the one that was hung on on the tree? Exactly. Mm. And I just remember thinking, and I know, I mean, it's kind of grossly self-involved, obviously, to be like, oh, and then I thought about myself walking down the streets. But honestly, I, I was like, fuck, I know what her body, I, like, like, I can really relate to that. Like, you're in this place, you're about to go into the space where you're preparing to have your baby, and then you're not. You know, like, what, to, like, what does that even mean? And so I remember saying to Will, just like, oh, okay, cool. I guess Tao and I just won't be doing little walks by ourselves anymore. Like, I can't. I hear that. Mm. I hear that. It's, it's, so, it's such a fucked up reality. But so, I do hear that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Couldn't get any nectar. So it went to death. Oh. And then it was dead. Oh, wow. Because there's no nectar on your sock. Cool logic. And it almost almost stunned me. Oh dear. It didn't look. (laughs) Oh good. I'm very happy to see. Um, I wanted to ask Dee, and not to to take away from what you've just said, because that actually sits quite heavily with me, um, about what you said about Naledi. I wanted to ask, what does self-care look like for you? Uh, during this time because I know that that this has been a grossly difficult time for you um, Mm. and you saying like really just trying to think through what self-care looks like and you can maybe speak about the iterations of it because 
as the world shifts to the global pandemic, so do your practices around self-care, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm assuming. But even tri- like as you go from first trimester, second trimester, and third trimester, you need different things. What does that fundamentally look like for you? And for listeners, I also think, and this is not the only practice of self-care that you you do, but for listeners, I know that, uh, or rather, let me let me say, for, for you, one of the things that has always been a useful practice of self-care has been massages and having somebody tangibly work on your body and now you're not able to do that right so that's just a one example of how you're having to shift the ways in which you need your body to be looked after but Mm -hmm. is not possible for this time Um, but maybe you can just speak a little bit more about other other things that have come up for you during your pregnancy yeah I think that's such a useful question actually because again just chalk and cheese right so came back I was like six, six and a half months, six months pregnant with Tawi. I feel very aware of the fact that I could not immerse myself in the Cape Town experience as much as I have immersed myself here somehow. And I think it has something to do with being in one place for a pregnancy, even though, yeah, I mean, my doula there, um, so with Lana, she also used to do massage and stuff. So when we had a session, we'd meet up, we'd chat, and then she would do like... Which four- is so intimate and so useful for building a rapport with someone. Okay. Sorry, just just to uh, contextualize the, for the listeners, your previous pregnancy with your with your four-year-old now, you were in London finishing off a PhD for six months and then returned home and and like t- when to move in with your parents essentially so as you were saying dependency like a mm-hmm. um while you figured out your next steps your career steps um and birthed your child so very different um circumstances i just wanted to, to just yeah be explicit I mean, about that something we haven't touched on which maybe there'll be room for this at some other point is just like partnering in pregnancy what a trip yeah. like, to me this feels like a whole new kind of experience yeah. the first time also um and I guess you know there's self-care and then I guess I want to say there's care and I think you know the self-care stuff so definitely I I do feel like I'm very uh, uh very much attached to t- the tangible right so sure. massage um this time around I've kind of flitted a little bit in and out of it, but journaling has really helped. And I know you've said as much also that you've just loved journaling. I mean, you're not pregnant, but, but journaling and like finding an outlet and just a way to reflect, right? That's not, that's not anything. In your head. Yeah. And not in your head. And not in your head. Your head is just so messy. Exactly. So that's been a big one. And actually I find... I feel a bit calmer when I'm able to like start the day like that, even if it's Mm. just a page or two, whatever. Mm. It really helps. Um, So that's been a big one. Massage has been big, right? Because I think physically, I, my sense is that if I had to be working, if, if I'd worked like as in gone into work in this time, I would be way more tired. And I think my body would feel incredibly. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I mean, I can feel like in my lower back, I'm struggling, but I'm not struggling as much because I'm literally like pottering around the house or I'll go to talk or yeah. So, Do you not also think it's like the practices that you've been doing around yoga? Because you've been so consistent about that. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was the other big thing I was going to say was that I just from really early on in this pregnancy, I just decided, cool, yoga is what I'm doing. And I, I even in going into lockdown, I've 
been very committed to the practice and it's been a really nice release in a time and space where there's no time for me there's no you know yeah like okay i'm gonna go and hang out with my girls and do a mass or whatever have a cup of tea you can't you're not doing that kind of thing regularly right so to fill your love tank like just for you Hmm. it feels like a really hard thing to do and so i've Hmm. made that quite a almost like a non-negotiable in my household. So sometimes mm-hmm. that does mean like my toddler's watching YouTube kids and I'm trying to like, <laughs> like engage in the experience of deep breathing or whatever it might be, you know, or in down dog, he's like, you know, telling me whatever's going on. But I, I've, I think it's interesting because it's also, it's forced me to be malleable about that experience. Self-care is not what you think it's, it is meant to be in this time. hundred percent. A hundred percent. It is what it is. And you take the moment that you can. And also I think you've set some boundaries, which are so useful as just a practice of self-care in and of itself to say to the family, this is a non-negotiable for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that, and I, and it's hard to do in the first three, the, the fourth trimester, if you want to call it that, right? So the first three months of your baby's life. But I think after that, those are things that you should really hold on to and try and lessons that you should try and inculcate later as hard as they are but that's the lessons around self-care and mothering right mm-hmm. is to set those boundaries from a familial perspective and have your family kind of adhere to it and maybe not in the ways that you imagine so you're going to have your toddler coming in and telling you the most superfluous bullshit about a mm-hmm. uh, fucking garbage truck outside mm-hmm. um <laughs> but you know while you're doing downward dog but then they leave because it's very clear that now mom is doing x um yep. and that's something that they recognize yeah, exactly. And I think we are doing more than we, than we think we are doing in this time. We are still doing a lot of the kind of things around mothering, parenting, care, boundary setting, you know, um, all of those things. I think we are doing them, but I think they've all mutated into something that we don't quite recognize. And so we feel a little bit sh- like unsteady. Um, sure. But that said, I don't know, whatever the other side of some of this looks like, I think we're going to be pleasantly surprised by what we have managed to do, you know? Says the person who's growing a human being out of food. So, of course, babes. <laughs> okay. So, I have two other big, big questions. And I think that um, it, it's funny. The one relates to partnering and the other one relates to home birth. So which one would you prefer to go for? I think let's do the home birth one first um, around talking through a home birth, what your anticipations are, what your anxieties are and your fears are, obviously as they link to the global pandemic or not. And I think also what does, what does it fundamentally mean to do a home birth because I've never done one. And it's so interesting, sorry, as a tangential thought, we've got these really good friends of ours in France. They um, have a son who is a month older than Agani. And we were in a hypnobirthing class together and have just reconnected and they, we went on holiday together. We love them dearly, right? Mm-hmm. They've subsequently moved back to France with their, with their son, who's the same age as Agani. They had their second, Etty, like two years ago, mm-hmm. a girl, ended up having her as a home birth, planned home birth, but the midwife didn't come. So they birthed this kid by themselves. And then this third time, they've just recently birthed their third baby, a little girl as well, Nina. Mm -hmm. Nina came 
without a midwife again. And they, they, they literally were like, she's here. It was just so wonderful. It was so easy. We're getting so accustomed to this. And like Antoine, the, 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 the dad has birthed these two other kids by himself. So also just really incredible. And like, I must admit there is something I wanted to do a home birth for, for Amu. And we actually could have, um, he wasn't as big as Akani and so on, but I think that there's something for me that's so romantic about a home birth, you know, like, and quite intimate and quite special. And of course it raises its own kind of things. Uh, for me, it's predominantly logistical. It's a bit of a logistical nightmare. Um, but I think that, th- that there is something so beautiful about it. So how, how are you feeling about it? I know that you, you, do you feel like you were pushed into it with the global pandemic or is this something that you want? independently of the global pandemic? No, I don't feel pushed into it at all. In fact, I was really keen on it from the beginning because I just, it just seemed like really beautiful and intimate and your home. And oh, I remember so nice. even with Carl, like being on those courses and everyone was like, home births are so beautiful. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know, you can, you know, you're in your own house, so you, you're comfortable. There's something about like, you know, you're just riding these waves and you're in the space that is entirely yours. I think what's been interesting is that it's a first for Will. So certainly very early on, this was like a, quite like a thing, you know, where he was, he felt quite anxious about it. Um, men are always anxious about home births. Very few men that I've encountered and had conversations with are like, yay, home birth. They feel quite anxious here. Yeah. yeah. And I think just being... Like a first timer, you know, not knowing like what is all this midwife stuff? Like why do you need all these people? What yeah. is, you know, and I think certainly as we've spoken about before on this, on our, on in one or more of our episodes, even the, the kind of fear factory, right. Around birthing um, yeah. and around, you know, how medicalized it is. So the assumption I think for a lot of men is just to be safer. You should be somewhere where there are the things sure. and the things so the things and the things, the things, and the things. so yeah. yeah babe i think it's really beautiful i ordered some candles we have candles oh. we have some fairy lights up um candles. oh babe mm. okay sorry i'm like umming and eyeing. okay go keep yeah, talking just keep talking <laughs> brought the birth pool the other day so this weekend was very sweet will was like okay i'm just i'm just gonna time it because you know i have to be prepared i have to be prepared and you know put together the pool and then came to find me and he was like nine and a half minutes nine and a half oh minutes. my god nine. babe that's so cute <laughs> i'm sure you must be like Babe, that's amazing. Record time. Amazing. But also, can we have just a brief break? What is with men and gamifying their lives? Like Joey does, he times the grocery shop and then tries to beat his time the next time. Baby, baby, I did it an hour and a half. Guys, an hour and a half for a grocery shop. One shop, one shop, not two, not three, not four, not five. I go to six shops in an hour and a half. Six. So I'm also just like, yeah, this is boring. Like, anyway, sorry, as in a complete aside. Very sweet of all. Yeah. No, babe, this is, we know, this is how man stuff works. So. Yeah, nobody can see my face. Anyway, um, <laughs> babe, yeah. So he, you know, I thought that was very sweet and like a, like an intimate moment that that we couldn't have known was coming. Sweet. You know, mm. um, and then like figuring out, he was like, she said we should make it soft inside. Okay, cool. Like, what can we get? And like just being really, you know, because I, 
I woke up on Sunday and I was like, wow, that was really weird. Like I had some, some, you know, there are things happening in my body. Like yeah, my body definitely course. gearing up. Preparing. Like, what? And like, she was like, well, we need this and we need, and we need batteries and we need this and we need, yeah, it's been interesting, babe. I think the idea of the home birth, I'm so attached to it now. Um, one of the most terrifying things for me is actually if either of us were to contract COVID at this stage, because we need to go for COVID tests next week, um, that it would take away this option that we're now both. So I feel like we're immersed in what it will be. Yeah. Attached to it. Exactly. But super interesting, like definitely not cheaper. So for people who are like, Oh, you're trying to like cut costs. uh, No, you're not. Cause you're buying shit like linen savers and, plastic sheets for your floor and like weird things. But I think that there's a cost that like an, almost like an, like you can't quantify it that I think, I think you are saving something somewhere and you're gaining something that you, you don't quite know yet. And I think Mm -hmm. it's quite beautiful. And, and um, it's so, it's so much yours that in some ways you actually can't, you can't say it to the next person. And I think that that's so beautiful about it, you know? It's interesting because I think if you were to go into baby number three and decide to home birth baby number three, you'd probably find, you'd be like, don't buy the linen savers. It's unnecessary or don't buy this or whatever the case is, right? Because in a way, this is a first time experience that you then overindulge almost because you're not sure and you want to have all the things to make sure that you're, you're going to be covered in all the ways, you know? But I'm, I'm really excited for you. I think that the home birth, it just sounds so beautiful. I'm excited too. I think it's really sweet, like how you said it sounds almost romantic. And I think you're right, you know, like that it is like, and it's so, it's so intimate, you know, and that was, I think it's something we've been speaking about really a lot more lately. Yeah. You know, that like, this is something you actually do together. Like people step into your home. Yeah. So just very interesting. Mm. And now partnering in, in the time of partnering in a pregnancy partnering in a pregnancy in a pandemic damn triple p's and triple p's always hard for those who don't know triple p's in just general corporate speakers public private partnerships and let me tell you they are hard but triple p's in this context is even harder partnering pregnancy pandemic i don't even know where to begin i i genuinely don't know where to begin i feel like so as you know we're most of the time we're in a long distance relationship where that's where I was, I was going to, yeah. 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 So the first big thing for us, I mean, the euphoria yeah. that existed for everyone, like, Oh yeah, we all get like a life pause, you know, mid March. Um, we're going to lock down together. It's going to be so romantic. And I'm pregnant with his baby. We'll rub bellies or he'll rub my belly. Exactly. <laughs> and we'll spend time with the toddler and we'll all just bond. Okay. And then <laughs> um, <laughs> it has been intense. I think it's been like one of the most intense experiences of my life. Where really? I, yeah. Babe, I've never in my life felt so aware of my own stuff. And like, mm. just like, because that person is just there in your space every day, every day. So there's nothing about you know, the routine that you have both set up in some ways that you certainly co-signed on that you happily whine about. Like, I don't like long distance. And then suddenly there's no long distance. And you're like, oh my God. Go back, go back, go back where you came from. 
<laughs> you know, and then being like, no, don't go back, don't go back, don't ever leave. Crazy ball. I think for me, one of the biggest, biggest things about partnering in lockdown is realizing just how much you can love someone in a way that I didn't actually know was possible. And then being aware that like that requires a level of vulnerability on your part to let that person do the things and not Mm. like always the physical things, but also just the emotional holding. So for me, that just, it's huge. That wouldn't be everybody's thing, but for me, like That's your pandemic, thing. pregnancy, house build, finances, new baby, how do we manage it all? And having someone be like, I've, I've got you, like I can hold you. Like that's been huge for me. Huge. And also it's exactly what you're saying um, or what we, what we were talking about maybe two or three days ago, not in the ways that you imagine. Yes, exactly. But in a way that is actually, it will suffice. It will be okay. It will be fine to also relinquish even the, imag- the imagined or the, ex- the expectations that you have in your head. Yeah. You have to relinquish the actual physicalness or of like giving over things to that person for them to hold. But then you're also giving over these, this idea of what it must look like, right? Which is really hard to do. Babe, that's, that I think for me is the hardest thing is just realizing that this person can hold space. They can hold more than just space. They can hear you. They can be vulnerable, et cetera, et cetera. But also, as you're saying, relinquishing the dream, like whatever the fuck that is, because it's not even something you, you, you necessarily... It's not even articulated in your head. Exactly. It's not even articulated yeah. in your head. But like, yeah. I am one of those people, and I think this is where my A-type kicks in, in a weird way, not quite in like a traditional what is A-type, but like that fixed that fixedness about, about wanting things a certain way that A-type personalities present, this is my thing. I, there yeah. are certain life things that I, I'm obsessed with. I want them a certain way. And then it's not even that I'll go in saying, I want this to be this way. I think particularly with partners, I'm, I really struggle. And then I get to a point where I'm like, ha, it's not the way I wanted. What are you doing? And then feel yeah. like my whole world is, is like crumbling, you know? Um, so I, I have found it and I continue to find it an incredibly interesting experience, but also one that is like, that's like stretching me in ways that are so different from the body stretching of the pregnancy and the stretching that comes with a new child. And with also that thing that you guys as second time moms already are able to do where you're juggling two children in your mental space at all fucking times. So Mm -hmm. like I'm trying to lay some pathways for that shit. And I'm, I feel like I'm rebuilding pathways, partner pathways, pathways. So it's a lot. And I I genuinely think it's something we should come back to. Like at some point. Yeah. 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 I think we'll come back to it many times because partnering is the const the constant, right? In a way. In a way you have to partner, even if you're not partnering in a traditional romantic sense, you partner in ways to child to bring your children up, whether it be with your parents, your support network, or whatever the case is. But but I do know that intimate romantic partnerships in the time of children mm-hmm. is an issue that you and I have spoken about a lot. Um, and ha- has come up in MWA in, in various different ways. And I also think you're so in it now that when you look back, and I'm so grateful that you're journaling because 
I do think that there will come a time when you will look back on it and it will be like this incredible experience because you'll be removed enough to be able to think other things, right? And the pathways, as you say, and I like what you're saying because I think neurologically that's that's what's happening and that's what's so painful is that creation of new pathways to juggle two children. But as you say, the rebuilding of existing pathways in in fundamental foundational ways around partnering is also happening and is going to be something that you're going to have to be dealing with for a while, but you're going to be jumping two years forward and then looking back and being like, this was so pertinent. And I didn't think it was a big thing at the time. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's a constant conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the kitten's very scared. Oh dear. Sorry, kitty. Sorry, kitty cat. Mm-mm. Hot. It's hot. (laughs) Okay, well, darling, thank you. This has been so nice. And I literally feel like you and I can just do this every day, all day. Just record our WhatsApp calls. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. Okay. Well, thank you, my darling. Thanks for your time. And And like your 37 weeks, everything is impossible. But we'll chat later and I love you dearly and thanks so much for your time. And listeners, we, yeah, this has been an interesting time for everyone. So yeah, Yeah. give us feedback where you're at. Okay. Okay. Talk soon. Good morning, listeners. Um, I just wanted to update you all that since Kath and I recorded this episode of MWA, I have... Um, subsequently given birth to a beautiful little girl named Zawadi Rainbow Marco Morgan. And um, we had an incredible home birth experience where um, myself and my partner were both in the birthing pool as I, um, as I gave birth to her. And it was just an incredible, beautiful unfussed experience um she came out in the cowl um which for those of you who don't know what that means just means she came out with her sack intact basically um which is an incredible experience in and of itself um in that only about eighty thousand babies a year get born this way one in eighty thousand sorry not eighty thousand um and so even though as with with the birth of any child it feels like a huge blessing with her it feels like she she just came in the way that i've felt her um for the past nine months you know um and that was incredibly special um and then um she is a week old now she was born on the 6th of august 2020 at um in the wee hours of the morning and um labor was was interesting it was a very different experience to my first and i'm sure that kath and i will speak about this a bit more big brother is fine and uh loving being a big brother and um yeah and the family is growing and we're feeling the expansion and beauty of that every day Um, And it will no doubt take some time. And as a good friend said to me, when her second was born, um, someone said to her, you know, you've been running a 10K 
this is a marathon it doesn't really stop um and you don't figure out how to do it with you know with quickness and so someone had said to her with the first you were running a 10k and you kind of figured that out and now with the second you're into the next league right and um to go steady and gentle with yourself as you would with anything else that you're learning and so in that vein uh zawadi rainbow and i have been at home for um this entire week and uh we've been in our house and in our space um and it's just been very beautiful and very uh restful and necessary for all of us but this short little update was just to say our baby's here um it's uh it's a wild time being pregnant um in the midst of a global pandemic um and there are so many different versions of um bringing the babies into the world at this point so till next time hey i'm kathleen and i'm dee and you're listening to mamas with attitude otherwise known as mwa mama 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 the same way i immerse myself in my career yeah you've now immersed yourself i've now immersed myself in motherhood mommy the bounce Mommy's a bounce. Mommy's a bounce. Weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, motherhood just comes to take on its different shapes and forms. Mama, mama, mama. <laughs> no, actually, seriously, on a serious note, it's it's been really dope. Thank you. Okay, bye. Mama, 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 mama. 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 Attitude.